Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven and with me is Brandon. What's on your shirt here today? Uh, this is The Lion King. Perfect. One of the uh, absolute best Disney animated movies. And we've also got a guest here today. Brandon, introduce. Our guest today, very special guest. Uh, we have Twitch streamer Cerventus, uh, also known as Rob, uh, the Salt King himself, co-founder of the Showdown series, and over 1.3K followers on Twitch. Very exciting. Although this Bostonian content creator spends most of his time on Twitch nowadays, he has amassed over 500 YouTube videos and counting. I'm trying to encourage this guy to keep making YouTube videos because he does a great job with them. Uh, you can find Cerventus and I streaming together every other Monday at 6.30, 5.30 Central Standard Time. But today, he is here to talk content creation and the journey, journey that surrounds it. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad, man. I feel like you're misquoting me on the number of videos. I just recently went and deleted over 100 videos. Did you? But oh. hey, you know, no one's counting. No one's counting, man. It's I, fine. Brandon is. I literally counted. <laughs> I counted this morning. I don't know when you oh, deleted if it, them. If it was this morning, man, you know what? You got a better a better count on it than I do. I sure <laughs> should have been paying attention. I was on I was on the phone with him, and I was like, I know he's got a shit ton of YouTube content, so I literally I counted each row. And then like each row had like six videos or something. I counted each row and multiplied it. I, I don't know the exact number, but I just knew it was over 500. Oh. So you had stuff from like 14 years ago, which is, which is crazy, yep. but glad to have you on the show today, man. Yeah. I'm glad to be here, man. It's, it's been a journey and that journey's led me here. Yes, absolutely. You want to tease uh, what we're going to talk about today? Sure. We're going to talk about the background of Cervantes. Cervantes. I feel like I'm saying that weird. Cervantes. 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 Yeah. I put in like a weird accent on it for some reason. A lot of people do, as long as you're not saying Cervantes, but British people that do that, I want to <laughs> just punch all of them. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to get some background of uh, Cervantes' content creation journey. Uh, we're going to talk about finding your audience. We're going to talk about what it's like being in a relationship with another content creator, a topic we have not dove into at all up to this point. And if time... We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, gaming tournament that you all are a part of here because I'm also interested to hear about that. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, this is a non-negotiable, non big-time show, Movie Critics Must Go. It's a show within a show, and uh, we're going to see if Cervantes... Cervantes. Cervantes. What the hell, dude? Cervantes. <laughs> We're going to see if... Uh, you just call him Rob. If you... We're going to see if Rob can be... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's literally epic how my I mispronounce everybody's names. But it's it's almost like I'm a cartoon trope. The yeah. guy who just can't get your name right. That's literally me. That's you. So. <laughs> it's okay. Half the internet can't do my name. So you know what? Just stick with Rob. <laughs> I'm here to set here. the record straight. It's Cervantes. Get it right. Yeah. And again, well, he is the salt king. You got half king. the internet. Flips one half the internet. Steven's the other half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there you go. All um, right. Well, uh, let's start at the very beginning here. Tell us a little bit about your content creation journey, where you started, how you got involved into streaming, and maybe what some of the goals uh, you might have at some point with all of this. Oh, well, I mean... I've been at this for, like Flip said, I have YouTube videos from over 14 years ago. Well, it kind of caps off at 14 years ago because I deleted the stuff from 15 years onward already. Mm -hmm. I've been putting stuff on YouTube since I was like, I don't know, like 14, 15. 
around when I started playing World of Warcraft back when that that well, a while a bit after that first came out. That's when I first stumbled upon my current username. It's the last username I made, and it's I've just been sticking with it ever since. And just some background on that, I just went on World of Warcraft. Me and one of my friends were jumping around a bunch of different servers. We finally just sat stuck with one server. When I was making my character, I was like, I'm going to just name it after my favorite Soul Calibur character because I was super into Soul Calibur at the time, which was Nightmare. And then that name was taken. So I went with my second favorite, Cervantes. However, 40 levels into my character, I realized I spelled it wrong, so I just stuck with it because it makes me uh, special and unique. <laughs> That's amazing. So in a way, Steven knew it was supposed to be Cervantes. Yeah. yeah you know, you, you were probably one of those guys that were pissed when uh, Cervantes was banned from uh, competitive in Soul Calibur 4. Don't worry, I was too. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I was making a ton of I was making a ton of videos back then. Um, and most of them have been deleted since because, you know, the, the gaming landscape was a lot different back then. Stuff that was and I'll say it, but like, you know, stuff that was acceptable back then is very far from acceptable today. And mm -hmm. I've been combing through, you know, just 15, 16 years of YouTube content, deleting stuff. I'm like, that won't fly today. That won't fly today. Stuff that's in a gray area, I'm like, I'm just gonna delete that. Just make it. It's but it's better off in the in the long run. And you know, I'm just cringing at some of that old stuff too. It's just better yeah. to have what I have now. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, for some context too, is Cervantes and I. One of the things that I think I enjoy in uh, our time that we play together is we're kind of shit talkers. We like a little bit of chaos and stuff. And so I can see, you know especially you know people grew up people that grew up in gaming and stuff you know there is some uh not acceptable language that was used in a lot of the the gaming industry and gaming communities um and so i could definitely see you're you, you know combing through all of these old things you're just playing with buddies you know maybe yeah. even just something that's like personal between you two you don't want the world perceiving it in a in a different right. manner than you maybe intended it to. So I, I, I totally right. get that. And I, I'm curious because you and I talked even last night while we were playing together um, about like certain things you didn't necessarily have an ambition for, but when you started making this YouTube content, did you have any goals with it at first? Like back in 15, 14 years ago, were you thinking, oh, this, maybe I could do this for a living or were you just throwing stuff up there to throw stuff up there? So, I mean, there's, there's been lots of changing of the guards over 15 years and a lot can happen in 15 years. I mean, I'm turning 31 in less than a month. So if a lot can happen in that amount of time. And like you said, it's been with a lot of different groups. So mm -hmm. there was a lot going on back then, you know, like the let's play craze was starting. So I right. have, I have a couple of let's plays on the channel. And, of course, I've had to comb through those because I know back then there were a couple of slips of terms thrown around here or there. I'm like, all right, pull things out, out now, just all in the can. But um, um, at the time, you know, playing with those groups that I was playing with, you know, it was just a, a close – I wouldn't – today I'd probably label it as a community. Back then we were all just like, oh, we're, we're just this team. We're Team Ink Max Skillbro, which is what this hoodie is. Um, we're team Ink, Ink Max Skillbro, which incoming maximum skill brother. That's just a, it was a meme. It was just a meme from the get go. We're just a group of people who didn't suck at games and were just 
meme on people and have fun the whole time, not be mm-hmm. kind of malicious with it, but just kind of be the same kind of dickhead nature that I am kind of more known for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing with these people, I would I discovered early, like, hell, the stuff we're doing is actually kind of really funny you know there's something here and i wanted to try to share that that's the only reason i was doing youtube in the first person was share what we were doing try to you know just give people that same show people the same experience because you see all these people doing crazy videos online there's tons of different groups like keemstar had a group forever ago of just halo shit talkers and stuff like stuff like that and of course the let's play craze and all all kinds of other skill compilations and things like that so i i believed wholeheartedly that we entirely had something and the group was fully behind that too the group would be very encouraging especially just because they they felt like they were part of something um and every every time i put up a new video of course they would be jumping in and be very excited it was kind of like a mom look i'm on tv scenario um, and of course things change, people change. So the group was constantly changing and evolving to the point where today we're on like our 20th changing of the guard and we're just still going, well, not, not as full steam just cause I've kind of taken a little bit of a backseat with YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and YouTube is to me is more of a chore when I'm, when I'm kind of feeling up to it more than, uh, Hey, I want to. I want to put this video out right here and now. And of course, like it's always in the back of my mind burning. I want to put more YouTube content because I would love to succeed. It's just, I've been at it for so long to the point where I don't know if, I don't know if I've really hit my, my mark with it. And I I'm finding a lot more success in other avenues. Yeah. Well, and then we also talked too, um, and I think this background is good for Steven to know too. You, I think started streaming, quite a while ago as well but you didn't really start taking it seriously till like two years ago you'd say um so back in my back in my wow days i actually pre justin tv twitch tv this is way back when um i was actually trying to occasionally stream on this other platform that was going around at the time it was something called like livestream.com and it was there was a bunch of different categories on there and it was it was nowhere near the scope that Twitch is or even that Justin TV was, um, but I was trying to you know stream over there and kind of get my sea legs and that that whole site was a mess. Their tools were a complete mess. Uh, like just thinking back, the tool you would have to download and use was something called like ProStreamer, and it was it was just this awful product. Hmm. Um, you you had a baked in chat with it, and I I would occasionally see chat come through and it was really cool and neat to share whatever we were doing at the time um but in 2013 is when i made my justin tv account twitch tv account i didn't really use them i wasn't ever really watching stream streaming was more of a foreign concept to me at the time and even like i was taking random stabs at it here and there i wasn't really doing it so from i think 2015 onward is when I was occasionally doing like a stream here or stream there whenever we, I felt like, you know, me or my group was doing something really interesting. Like I, everything we did, I was, I usually went in from mindset like, oh, I could probably make content out of this. I was always booting up Fraps. If you remember Fraps, which was a very old, um, I still even have it on my computer right now. It's a very old uh, application recording program, mm-hmm. which would save extremely large one-to-one 
quality files for just video editing and stuff and it was it was it was messy it was neat it was a completely different world and it obs today just does everything so much better but um it wasn't until 2018 that i really stopped and sat down and said okay i'm gonna start streaming more consistently i'm gonna take it more seriously because i had one friend who was doing it and he got twitch affiliate and it was this whole big to do um for me i started in, i think like maybe towards the end of 2017 and most of 2018 is when i was struggling to try to hit twitch affiliate more or less just on my own with just no exposure my friends didn't really see it as a thing that was really worth getting into so they weren't really supporting me in that so i kind of just pulled it together myself mm -hmm. and looking back like I see a lot of people today getting Twitch affiliate. I'm even helping a ton of people get Twitch affiliate. Like since I've hit, I don't know, like over a hundred followers, I've been able to help, I don't know, upwards of like 10 to 20 people get Twitch affiliate. And it feels huge being able to help them. And looking back, I'm saying, I say to myself, like if I had anything close to any kind of a support system like this, I would probably have been a lot further along in this path than I uh, currently am. But yeah, it's been since, I, I just say 2018 since is when I've been uh, taking it more seriously. Okay. What are some of the original games that you started streaming back when you, like, let's say in 2018? In 2018, so there was, a, like, that was pretty much right after the peak of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, PUBG. Uh, so that was kind of my main thing. Me and my group were playing a lot of that in our Discord. We probably had uh two or three lobbies going at a time just people switching out of a groups constantly um and that was also something else that was going on in my streams was <laughs> because of that because we were just kind of in open channels all the time you people would just be coming and going constantly and it was just very messy because you would never know what kind of what quality of characters you would be having coming in but there'd be some of that um there any other battle royale since the battle royale craze was big at the time there was there was a little bit of Fortnite, um which you can no longer find any traces of fortunately <laughs> um that's a great was, game Fortnite. <laughs> there was a, a little gem called realm royale which we were praying that game would take off and unfortunately it kind of flopped still around today though uh there was there was some smites um but i ended up hitting the most success my, my initial push of success was or anything remotely of community building was actually with dead by daylight hmm. um, i started streaming dead by daylight kind of just as a random community night thing and people came in and the stream was actually semi-successful and i just started going back to that more consistently and seeing good numbers with that and i just, just decided to stick it with it and for the longest time dvd was kind of my uh, my main game so when you were originally starting to stream and you weren't getting a lot of support with it, I know going into live streams and having like a very little audience can be very discouraging. Was it, how, how did you find yourself continuing to push through that? I just, I learned to just talk to myself and try to keep the content train rolling as much as possible. Um, I would always try to make sure I was playing with other people that I can kind of bounce conversations back and forth with, which is still a strategy I stick with today. When I'm playing with people, I'm, I don't shut the fuck up. I'm just going <laughs> and going. And that, that helps balance it out when, you know, when chat's slow and I can't really bounce anything off them. I just need to try to 
find whatever I can just to keep something going. I I hate dead air with a passion. To me, dead when there's dead air, if it's if it's not even like gameplay going on. Like maybe if maybe there can be dead air when there's actual gameplay going on, but during huge stints of kind of nothing. I just feel kind of awkward and lost and I'm like, okay, I got to do something. I got to just throw something out in the wind and hope it catches. And that's where playing with other people, at least I have that advantage where stuff's easier to catch and easier to start bouncing stuff back and forth with. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot with other people who have been on the show, about the, the advantages, but also uh, kind of risks involved with collaborating with other people. And I feel like, you more than a lot of people were kind of tied to this built-in collaboration with with Ink Max Skillbro and stuff. So, what when you're tied to that group? I mean, even we could probably talk a little bit about you've started to kind of shift some of the thing. Like your Discord now is is specifically you rather than Ink Max Skillbro. Um, your YouTube channel as well. So you've started to kind of rebrand it to like you're the pushing force because seems like you were kind of the leader of it anyways. Um, and Pete, like you said, things have changed, groups have changed. But when you were tied to that stuff, was it liberating because you felt like you had other people who had similar aspirations? Or was it challenging because you felt like, you know, you needed to pull uh, motivation out of other people? What What was that experience like? Well, like I said, a lot can happen in 15 years. We went from the days of Ventrilo and owning a Ventrilo server. And, and on my back, that was all tied back to my World of Warcraft days where I was one of the biggest fish in a little pool. I played on a low population server. So everyone on that server knew who I was mostly just because I was originally one faction, beat everyone on the other faction, jumped ships to the other faction the second that was a possibility. And then I beat everyone else on the other faction and just was the biggest shit talker on that server. And I was one of the top three world PVPers on that server. And um, I had my own Ventrilo server, which just became like kind of a local hangout. But then the second I fell off World of Warcraft, that just all kind of went away. But I still had a pretty close group. So we moved over to Skype. And then from Skype is where we started talking about moving to Discord when that was starting to become popular um my former showrunner so i i did have like an initial partner who was like one of my best friends at the time and he had made a server but then like one day just kind of went off the rails and i had to go and start a new server so i had to rebuild again and it's just it's been a series of rebuilding and when i did that i tried grabbing you know just people who were like-minded with me who wanted to invest in the community that i was trying to build rather than just kind of put things like push people away or put things down and that's mm -hmm. where i just start, switched the focus to okay we're a community we're not a team we're not a clan we're a community i wanted to just pull in people that actually want to be a part of this and let's build uh let's you know let's build our mission statement and just try to go from here and at first it was cool you know people were on board but then just you know, over time people just kind of started waning and fading and I was trying to make a push for YouTube again. I was like, guys, you know, if if we want, if anyone wants to be included on the YouTube, you know, we can do that. I I'll work with whoever. I will do the editing if we have to. If you guys just feed me stuff, and other people are like, oh, I edit videos too. I'm like, cool. You want to collaborate for the channel? And just getting a lot of dead air. So yeah, it's been years of that. I've I've, got, I've had other uh, co-showrunners come on board, try to 
link up and combine our communities together, but that kind of fell apart because they weren't really in it for the community. They were in it for themselves. And then that just turned into a bunch of other, spiraled into a bunch of other things. Um, so like Flippin said, it, it's, I'm at a point now where I've kind of dropped this, I'm make, building the Ink Max Skill Bro community. I'm just building the, the Cervantes community now. And it's, if a sole focus is going to be on me since I was, it's pretty much, I was the only one really pushing yeah. this big collaborative thing where basically even in the Discord, I was, you would, you'd have to look really hard to see, but I was even the owner of a Discord. I was trying to make it a, as something of along the lines of, you know, there's no face of this thing. We're all the faces of this thing. And I was trying to push that mentality, but unfortunately, it, it is what it is. And people, mm -hmm. you know, it, they lose interest over time. And like I said, there's been a lot of changing of the guard over t the years. And it, it is what it is. It yeah. Just have whoever believes who wants to come by, you know, come be come be a part of something. Otherwise, just, yeah, I'll, I'll be here doing my thing. Yeah. So one of the things I'm always fascinated in is... Obviously, there's a lot of struggles that come with content creation because when you do it, you have you have zero established. You're posting stuff on the internet just hoping somebody finds you. So how, if you were to walk through some of the struggles that you've experienced during this time, sort of finding your audience, how would you define your struggles? And then was there maybe a turning point where you started to realize, okay, maybe this is kind of the direction I should be going? So, I mean, I've tried sharing my content. You know, like, like I said, 15 years, it's a, it's a long time. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be oh, the yeah. theme of this entire thing um, where I've been, you know, po tried posting to different forums and uh, sharing it to as many people as I can. And, of course, I've had plenty of people with much larger audiences review my stuff and look at my stuff live and go, like, oh, this is actually really good stuff. But it, it just never caught. Um, and I've had plenty of moments where it seemed like I was starting to catch an audience just kind of doing my thing and networking the way that I'm networking. Um, like probably two years ago when I had, I had a much uh, more lucrative, uh, just fun wallet to throw around. I was, you know, I was hanging out with people with much bigger audiences and they were preaching messages that I was fully on board with. And of course I was like dropping like gift subs on people. And it seemed like my audience was growing a lot. But then when I started just having some financial troubles myself and having to put my finances in other places other than Twitch, um, those people did kind of just fade away and not even talk. Mm -hmm. So when I thought I had all these uh, friends that were going to be were being supportive with me and, and all this stuff, they just kind of fell off without even you know asking, hey, what's up or anything. So that, that is kind of awakening and where I thought, you know, I was actually getting some growth and catching some people. It, it wasn't really the case. Um, so I've, it's another instance of feeling like I've had to rebuild. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm right now, I feel like I'm kind of back at square one, but I, I've had some moments of recognition where I've like run into other much larger content creators and they immediately knew who I was and were completely on board with everything I was doing and even come by and say hi every now and again. And that, those are the moments that it makes you feel like, okay, I've, I might have caught something. I might have, you know, I might be able to just keep on networking with in this direction and go on with this direction. So finding finding your space is definitely the hard part because a lot of the people I am watching right now and uh, kind of close with on the Twitch scene, 
They do have completely different styles of me. They're more laid back. I'm a very loud and rambunctious person and personality on Twitch in general. While they're more laid back and kind of like focus themselves as the stars rather than whoever they're with. And yeah, the personalities kind of clash. So maybe their audiences aren't going to be the audience for me. Uh, and it's, it is what it is. And I'm just, it's going to just be taking time and keep trying to build up and it's slowly building up. And hopefully when I hit a certain threshold, it won't just all topple down again and won't be starting over part 19. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do know it's, that is one of the tough things because obviously networking and co-streaming, one of the things that can be beautiful about it is, you know, the, this meshing of communities where you get in front of not just the people who already know you, but also people who could potentially, um, you know, appreciate your, the way that you approach things and, and support the way that you do things. Um, but I understand too. And I've, I've felt this a little bit. Sometimes you're just not everybody's cup of tea. And, uh, I think that's one thing I, I respect about you as a content creator is, is you're bold with the stuff that you do. And I think like, I enjoy playing with you because we get to create, we talked last night about this. We get to create these moments that I feel like not everybody will even attempt. Um, and I think that that's very entertaining content, but it's, it's a challenging thing I feel to, feel that within yourself, but then not get caught up in maybe how things are turning out externally. How, like if people are supporting you or, or if you feel like, like you said, you've had to start, you feel like you've had to start over like 19 different times with, you know, the, these different things that you're doing. I, you know, I, I think that it's awesome that you've even, kind of trucked on through this because I, I do respect you as a content creator and I know how challenging and I guess daunting some of this can be when you feel like, Oh, I I thought I was heading somewhere, but then, you know, people kind of ditched out on, on me and I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough road really. Yeah. And I mean, it's not always, and I've learned this for hard way. It's not always people not necessarily, falling out with you but like people move on life happens you know right. like one of my closest friends he moved across halfway across the country and then started seeing other people so seeing like other girls and shit because he's trying to you know finally buckle down with his life so he has a lot less time for the computer or twitch or games in general so that's fine i have another really close friend who his mother unfortunately passed and he has significantly less time for games and all this yeah. stuff. And like you said, like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I, I pride myself on being, you know, being real. Um, you just, I will always shoot my shot. I, there's a lot of things I see in the landscape and I, I've been around the landscape long enough to see all these things. I, I just don't agree with, and I will always, I'll call it out. I'll mm-hmm. always take my shot. People won't always agree with me and I don't expect people to always agree with me. Whenever I take my shot, people don't like getting called out a lot of times. I've learned that the hard way. Um, my mouth has definitely gotten me in more trouble than anything, but at the same time, I will always pride myself in just calling out bullshit when I see it and mm-hmm. not standing for anything fake. I've seen a lot of people grow just based on being fake, and I will not stand for that kind of stuff. And it's, It is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it, 
gotta find the avenues like i'm trying i've always been trying i enjoy but the effort and trying that's why i've stuck with it as long as i have it's just you know trial by fire this isn't working so i'm just gonna keep trucking until i find what works do you feel at all that um you've become a little jaded towards uh, some of these communities, maybe because of some of those experience that you, that you've talked about where, you know, it seemed like they were your friend and, and were about what you did when you were gifting subs, then all of a sudden they just dropped. Do you, has that impacted you in where you are today of like, I'm especially cautious when I'm getting to know new people, or do you think you're more of the same throughout this entire journey? Um, I've definitely learned to become more wary and in a previous, you know, change of guard, I did have, I put a few people in some positions to try to, you know, balance me out or call me out whenever I'm making crucial mistakes. Cause like I said, I've pulled in people before who they seemed like they were completely on board with, you know, like merging our communities together, flying under one flag together, doing all this collaboration stuff. But then it, it ultimately turned into they were really just there only to promote themselves and not really the community or anything like that. Not really be a, even become a part of a community, not invest any time in all these people. Um, and it, that, those kinds of things just show me like, okay, I need to be careful with, you know, who I'm going to invest in and all this stuff. And sometimes, you know, people, like I said, people are going to be preaching these messages that I'm super on board with, but then, something happens either i just um they saw there's a big falling out in whatever way yeah and it, it definitely i i don't like like to think it's changed me i mean I, I probably like subconsciously am more cautious about who i'm gonna try to partner up with and you know make this big collaborative effort with right um I know definitely I'm not making the same base streamer mistake where I'm going to play with anybody or you know collaborate with just anybody. It's only going to be with people I know or people who I'm interested in collaborating with after, you know, I kind of vet them a little bit. Um, but as far as like a general, am I consciously being cautious of, you know, Joe Schmo coming in? Um, not necessarily. Maybe at a subconscious level. But yeah. Not, not, yeah. not, not purposely gotcha yeah so what about just like content in general do you think any part of you has become jaded in any bit of that process because of how difficult some parts of this just flat out is like maybe you can be successful on one platform but then another platform is just difficult what is your overall feeling on content creation over these 15 years yeah because you said it just to jump on that like you said that youtube has felt like more of a chore and i feel like you know in watching your videos even i i love your editing and i feel like you had a real gift and talent with that so i i I really am curious if if that's been the same with content as well um well the youtube stuff like i have i i'm an idea guy i've always been an idea guy i'm i have constantly have 20 ideas just in the back of my mind burning and then I'm constantly juggling in new ones throwing old, some old ones out um, and YouTube's definitely been, been a big part of it like I have some Hunt Showdown videos on there and I wanted to put up more I put up a few Hunt Showdown videos that were kind of like a test to see like okay well may, maybe you can miss catch mm-hmm. can this style type of thing catch and I know uh, me and Brandon did talk a little bit about this where 
like I put up a, a fantastic compilation on YouTube uh, from Hunt Showdown and it only came out to having like 70 hits after six months. And we both were sitting like for the amount of work I put into that, it definitely feels like you should have a lot more. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that, it, I mean, it's not necessarily a demotivator. I think the biggest demotivator for me when it comes to YouTube is the amount of work I have to put into making a single video mm. um, yeah. compared to like the amount of free time I actually have. And I, I feel like that's an issue that most creators have is mm -hmm. like, where, when can I do this? Do I have, not have enough time of a day for this? Because I, I work a full 40 plus hour job um, at least once every month or so. I ha I'm on call for a week. So that takes even more time. And even I can potentially hurt my streaming time. Like I want to keep the streaming time consistent. So where can I fit in video editing? I did start doing, you know, TikTok and Hover which I'm basically editing stuff the same way I would be editing my YouTube content, but because it's a lot shorter with a maximum of a minute, I feel a lot more comfortable just doing quick, snappy little edits here the same way I would do a YouTube video. And granted, these edits can take me up at upwards of three to four hours. I still feel like I'm putting in uh, more with this, and we're able to get in more, I guess is a better way something better to say i feel like i'm able to get in a lot more this way than i am able to get in on youtube yeah definitely the amount of time that you'll put into a video does not correlate with the views i talked about this in a right. one of the recent video or uh, yeah one of the recent episodes of the show where like there's been times where i feel like i just rushed a video out and that was one of the ones that got the most views and then on the contrary i got no views on a video that i spent a bunch of time on mm. that that's the part of the content creation process that gets me jaded sometimes is just the lack of control over the outcome once I put it out into the world on, is YouTube even going to recommend this video? Well, and it's weird too, because I think about musicians and you hear a lot of times that like their most popular song is the one that they hate the most. <laughs> and I just wonder like, what's the curse within this? Like <laughs> are, are, are all like artists or content creators, whatever, like are the thing that we despise that's like out of our comfort zone and so that's the one thing that actually is good and the rest of it's just okay or are we misunderstood like it's the weirdest thing i feel like so many people experience this but i to go back to your tiktok and hover thing the one thing i i do think on top of the fact that it's shorter content so it's probably easier for you to just pump out i feel like your content one of the things that is so suitable for that kind of stuff is you have all these clippable moments. Like there have been a couple streams that I've just been in your chat and it's just like, it's been a night of clips. Like it's just a night of these like quick 30 second things where this like explosive moment happens. And I feel like that's even better suited than like a YouTube video where you can still do a highlight thing. But I've even thought with YouTube, I'm like, if nobody knows who I am, why does anyone want to watch a highlight reel of me? You know what I mean? Like, and I've talked to you about maybe trying to change how I do YouTube content where it's like, all right, I try to pull people in with like, I'm using an ax this round and maybe people want to see ax gameplay and then they stay for, I don't know if it's going to work. I'm going to try it out. But I'm just like, I wonder if those clippable moments, you just have even better potential to, to reap the benefits because of, of those explosive moments that you do. I don't know if you feel that oh. way. It's funny that you say that because that it basically describes how I was putting Dead by Daylight content on YouTube where 
basically I would take like a whole four to eight hour stream. I would pull that down. I would take it into Vegas, which of course I'm using Vegas because I'm just, I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> I would basically go into Vegas. I would cut up, cut up the whole stream into, okay, here's my match. Here's the actual matches and gameplay portions. And um, I mean, I would just go through and cut, go through the every single match, like one at a time as I could just for a week or so. Um, and basically be manually making my own clips out of that in, mm -hmm. within the realm of Vegas. And then that was basically the whole Dead by Daylight video I would be putting up was it's more or less just a compilation of clips where if I had people actively actually making clips at the time of whatever the hell was going on, that would have made my job probably easier. And I'm fortunate today where um, I have people like you who are there occasionally making clips. And then even after stream, if if I know a clip didn't get made, I kind of just have to timestamp it in my head and be like, okay, when the hell did I do this ridiculous thing? So I'm, I'm fortunate where like my game sense and most of the stuff I'm playing is high enough that I can recognize when I can kind of fuck around and create something or if something just accidentally, if I get lucky, which I seem to get lucky a lot and stuff just happens. Yeah. Um, those moments exist. So I, I'm fortunate that I, 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 I've also had plenty of people kind of help me in the past with um, teaching me sillier things. And I just kind of always grip onto these little tiny things that most people might just look over. You know, like I see something silly in the corner and I'm like, Oh, I can take advantage of that. And that's, that's where a lot of my, purpose was the stuff I do on purpose comes from like I'm just noticing something small and silly and trying to capitalize on that as best I can so one of the things that I mean I've known since I knew you because I I'm kind of newer I guess relatively speaking to the hunt community um so I when I met you I also met pumpkin like I, I met both of you at the same time so I've always known of you two as a couple and we've talked about like, what would it be like to be with somebody who does stuff like this? Like, would that be awesome because we get to do stuff together? Like, would it be tough because now people get to see your relationship in public? So, so I am curious, you know, you're married now to, to pumpkin. Um, what is it like being married to another content creator? You know, what, what are some of the positives that come from those similarities, but then also what's some adversity that you might face when your relationship can deal with these public perceptions? Well, we've definitely got, <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, we've definitely gotten like a blend of the communities. Cause like now, uh, since we're together, obviously we have, we're a constant in each other's communities. So we've kind of, She's pulled some of my people that are now regulars in hers. I pulled some people from her side that are regulars on my side now. And at that part, it's a nonstop collaboration and networking yeah. in that regard. Uh, and we definitely obviously also influenced each how each other kind of operate in terms of, you know, streaming both on stream and off stream. Like be pre before we were together, I never really scheduled out anything. And she kind of influenced me a lot to get better about scheduling things. And I'm, I'm sure there's probably a bunch of ways I've influenced the way she's uh, operating as well. Sure. So there's a lot of that. So like I said, it's a nonstop collaboration. And yeah, like you said, it, it, there's, there is, there's always going to be adversity in anything. Like it's, there's always going to be growing pains and things like that. And of course, the way pe some people perceive uh, certain actions or certain things that are said, 
um, can be at times more detrimental than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's more or less just, there's always, you know, growing pains with certain people who are used to seeing, you know, either of us solo now having to kind of deal with each other, not knowing how to perceive whatever certain things. And yeah. they just kind of go off of the rails and make their own kind of assumptions about things. And, and that's the part where it's like, okay, you slow down a little bit. All the internet people who feel like they just need to jump up and be angry at something like put the pitchforks down for a second and just make yeah. you know, sleep on it for a little bit and uh, come back to us. But um, for the most part, it's definitely very positive, and I, I will definitely always say it's it's a non, it's will always be a nonstop collaborate collaboration effort. She's done. She's transitioned to being my my graphic artist. You know, before her, I was doing my own graphic art. I was doing my own Photoshop all the time, and I'm helping her with a ton of stuff. Um, like I'm helping her video editing and a ton of stuff. I just edited one of her TikToks recently that was beyond goofy and silly mm-hmm. and she's going to be constantly helping me with a bunch of stuff i think she's even going to be making me some new art for some stuff soon um it's just non-stop back and forth we're always in each other's courts trying to you know push each other as far as we can possibly push each other if we think we're pushing each other uh to the goal we're going to just keep trying to go even beyond that yeah well that, that's the beautiful thing is i do feel like uh there's there's a balance of each other with you guys. I feel like you guys are are good at some of the same things, but also there are balances where, you know, you might, like what you said, like the video editing, like you have a lot of experience with that. You can jump in and help her out with that. She does the graphic design stuff and you did do that before, but now you have this person who can take that off your plate. Like, that's really cool. I also, to speak to the adversity, I think it's it's a specific experience, I feel like when you're, a streamer because like everything's live. Like I imagine if you both were YouTubers, you know, like any sort of like, you know, argument or whatever that you would have while you're trying to like make a video or nobody sees that. (laughs) But if like you're on stream and like, she gets you headshot or something. I can imagine like, what the fuck, babe? You just got me headshot like that. Yeah, that's, hap- that's definitely happened too. And like it has been, you know, she streams while I'm working. If I have to hop in a quick meeting or get a quick call with someone, I have to be super careful, like be constantly juggling the mute button on my, uh, my work microphone. Otherwise there's been the occasional, like just in the background, like, like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I I imagine though that the way you put it, like this nonstop collaboration, I feel like that uh, that's just such a cool thing because you know along with you hope that the relationship itself you're growing together, but also the aspiration, this collective aspiration that you have, you know, for your individual stuff, but you know anything that you work on together, you're continuously growing and 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 pushing each other to be better. I, I feel like that's something I've seen in you guys. And I think it's like, it's really awesome. So do you stream at different times or do you usually try to stream together? How does that work? Cause that the first thing so, I'm thinking of is like, is one person just like across from the other person and they're just streaming. I, I can't even visualize yeah, she, how this she works. She is right over there. Right now. <laughs> um, and we do occasionally we'll be streaming at the same time. What if we're not streaming together? Um, it's harder. I've tuned my microphone. So it's harder to pick up anything like, 
outside of my desk range, but her microphone's picking me up all the time. <laughs> so they they have some fun moments on their side where, I, like I said, I'm loud and rambunctious, so I'm screaming a lot, and it gets picked up over there. And a lot of the time, it's the perfect reaction for whatever's going over there too. So they they have fun with it. You know, sometimes and sometimes it's a problem because like she'll be pot, um, screaming when I'm trying to have like a. A concentration moment and vice versa so there's definitely some stuff with that we bought a lot of foam pads and we're gonna try to like build a little bit of a sound barrier but we rearranged our whole office and now we're trying to figure out what's the best course of action for that so we're we're still trying to figure out our living space and Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be a lot of all of this play stuff but we definitely we both have a bunch of clips on each other's sides of you know someone screaming in the background like I remember, I, one in recent memory is something happened on her side, and you just hear me screaming, just out of context. <laughs> you fucking beautiful man! And it's, <laughs> it's just hearing it from her side, like you just hear me perfectly crystal clear. It's like, what the fuck is going on over there? <laughs> so there's there's a lot of fun going on. Well, and Steven doesn't know this, so a little bit of context. So uh, Pumpkin um, is is from Canada. So when I first met them you know, he's in Boston and she's in Canada. So I, the first time I ever played with them was together. We, we all three streamed together and there wasn't that issue because they were in different places, but now that they finally live together, it <laughs> I'll stream with the three of them and I'll hear, I mean, I can hear, uh, Rob in, in discord myself, but then if pumpkins, uh, you know, Mike is hot, I can hear him twice. <laughs> So I'm getting double, <laughs> double the Cervantes that's, action. That's exactly yeah. what you want, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fun because people on her side will be like, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, you, we can hear him twice." It, it's uh, we just got to sub commands in each other's chats. Like, yes, that per- the person sitting, we're sitting in the same room. Okay, chill. Yeah, like, I'm like, I think you have a problem with your Discord. I can hear him twice. <laughs> People just don't get how mics work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is where, like, after they get the explanation, like, oh, okay, it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, another thing, I guess, uh, a segue into, um, I guess, the collaborative process, you and um, Pumpkin co- have co-founded and co-host the Showdown series, which... I am now an ambassador of, um, it's a tournament within the hunt showdown community. Um, I know there's so much hard work that you guys do, uh, and that goes into this. Um, I'm curious an undertaking like this, what made you want to do it in the first place? What's it like organizing an event like this and hosting something this big on your own really? Cause it's not like Crytek is here, you know, pumping in resources for you or anything what what is that experience like well so both her and i did both used to run uh small much smaller tournaments within our communities or whatever spaces we could break into um she used to co-run a community with someone else which unfortunately that kind of fell through uh because of sharing collaborative efforts just weren't when one person fell, the other one just couldn't pick up or refused to pick up or something. But they used to host a couple of small tournaments of like, you know, ten to twenty people. Um, I for I had a brief stint with another one of my friends where we were hosting a monthly tournament and we had like I think the most we ever had was like thirty people in that. Um, and it was just it was all, always just all for glory, not really any prizes. But we those kind of gave us the backbone of what 
eventually became the showdown series and after um, a much bigger tournament had happened in the community that w was fully endorsed by Crytek and it was ran by uh, Twitch slash Crytek partners, which Crytek obviously for Hunt Showdown has their own little partner program where they are taking in just whatever individuals are meeting whatever yeah, criteria they feel like it needs at the time. Um, so they're fully endorsing this much bigger tournament. And we turned around and said like, oh, what if we you know, just kind of do a tournament. And I don't want to say it was, it was a direct response to this, but it was around the same time where we were like, so this tournament is all about, you know, basically what if the game that we're all playing and kind of like making our lifestyle out of what if their, their tournament is, what if this is MLG and some, a lot of people are, awesome, are fully on board for that. It's an awesome concept. You know, what if there was a professional scene, but what if there was a lot of people felt left out and we're like, okay, well, what if we can, do something similar, but make the like make the people who feel left out of this other one feel more you know like they belong, like they had a place in something, and that's where we came up with uh, the Crowdown Showdown because it was happening during the Crow event of Hunt Showdown. Um, we planned it out perfectly so it would be right like pretty much in the middle of it, um, and it was it happened to be right after that other big tournament, so a lot of people were still kind of like hungry for. A hunt showdown tournament and it it um that was pretty much it we just wanted to try to build this big thing and have people who felt like they couldn't make it in the mlg setting still feel like they can participate in a tournament mm -hmm. yeah and i i know like since i've become an ambassador i've been a lot more closely a part of the organization of it and i get to see all the work that you guys put into it this most recent tournament, was it your highest turnout so far? Yes. Yeah. So when when you get to that spot, like I'm guessing you guys still want to continue growing, like the number of people that end up joining the tournament and stuff. Is there a feeling of like, hey, we're doing the right things? Or is there ever a feeling of maybe this is getting too much to handle? Like what is, it's it's a daunting task, I feel like. What is it like bearing this? Well, the first one, it was very, the first one was the most daunting, obviously. And it was the biggest mess. We had a ton of issues happen live uh, with like our staff. And as a result, you know, some, some staff, we just kind of banned from being staff ever again, as a result. Mm -hmm. um, we've had to clean up a ton of stuff. And like that, because that first one, we had over a hundred participants and it was insane. The second one, we had like 70 or 80 something participants. The third one, we were back over a hundred. And then this fourth one, we had over 150 so that the most recent one was only daunting because we had completely changed up how we were presenting it um, after the third one and the success of that and the fact that we saw we only saw it trending up um, we decided to change up how we were doing everything to try to you know make this next one even bigger and much more presentable so we went we bought a website we built up this big discord we were building a twitch channel for it just specifically for us because previously it would be her streaming on her channel me streaming on my channel both presenting the tournament that way but we wanted to make it one official source and make it just as big grand uh presentation and then the other thing we did was we wanted to work directly for community because on the third one so the fourth one would just happen like you know a couple weeks ago but so the third one 
um, we wanted to work directly with the community. And that's where we first had opened up, you know, a survey at the end of a term and saying, hey, guys, give us your feedback, this, this, and this. And some of the feedback was great. Some of the feedback, you know, it's like all things not so great. People are just going to be kind of dickheads. It's whatever. Um, but we, we, we took that opportunity to say, okay, who are some people that have been involved in all of these and are, you know, they're helping us promote it and they really care about this and want to see this thing succeed. So we grabbed a, we looked at a bunch of people. We were looking really critically at, at a bunch of people and said, okay, well, we, let's ask this person, this person, this person, this person, and let's create a program. Let's call it the ambassador program. And let's just have, uh, where we can, uh, these people are the people who seem to care the most about this whole thing. They want to see this thing really succeed. They kind of share the same vision that we have of this whole thing. And this way we can kind of work with them. We can bounce opinions off them. We can receive their opinions. And that'll be like really the only bonus they get to it. Like we'll promote them on the website. They can help promote the thing since they, they're directly a part of it now. Um, so it, it, is, it is a give and take. But hey, it's it's gonna help everybody in the end. But that was that was how we were gonna try to work directly with the community. It was grab the people who care the most about seeing this thing succeed and you just work more closely with them to try to turn this thing into something much bigger and better for everyone. For people who don't know much about gaming tournaments, like hearing hundred and fifty people, can you just give maybe uh uh like a high level breakdown of how exactly this tournament works? So basically, um, we ha so we have a sign up form on our website now for well going forward. We'll always be a sign up form, and we're just going to collect everyone who signs up. So we're signing up in teams of three. So we had fifty one teams sign up last time. So that's one fifty four, right? I'm like doing math, right? I don't even know. Um, one fifty one fifty three, I think. Uh, yeah. One fifty three, yeah. So we had a <laughs> we had a lot of people sign up. My, I'm still in like. I'm still in like we're getting ready to start getting ready to announce the next one, and I'm still in post tourney mode where I'm just like, come on, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, but so people sign up, and uh, we have a set list of rules. You know what people have to do for scoring and how they're gonna have to submit the scores, um, and that's ties into the signups because basically we have a big Google form. Every team gets their own tab on the Google form. That's where they're going to be submitting their scores. We have uh, we have a staff of referees who are also assigned like a certain number of teams where they got to kind of keep an eye on, just make sure they're all playing nice. Because every because at the end of the day, everyone should be playing nice. It's, a, it's supposed to be a big community event, not a big you know where MLG thing. No, that's what the ever tournaments for. Where for the you know community day of collaboration thing. Uh, if you guys want MLG, go to see the other guys. Uh, and not everybody seems to get that, but that's, that is, it is what it is. There's always going to, that's always going to happen when you have a tournament or a competition, you know, all the sweaty try hard people are going to come out of a woodwork. Um, but yeah, so we just have, we have to manage. I was basically, as people were signing up, I'm building this the Google doc with you know, making sure everyone's added to it correctly. And then the week of the tournament, I have to send everyone out the links to access the doc so that way and make sure they can all get onto it and can actually submit scores. And of course, there's a ton of people who have never used Microsoft Excel a day in their lives. So I'm <laughs> playing tech oh, yeah. support for that. <laughs> and 
there's a course there's a group of people that just don't check their emails they don't check the notifications on twitter or in the official discord they don't check the notifications on the website like i can just put so much information out everywhere but only so much of it actually catches i'm answering the same question every two minutes to the same people and it's it it's it is a shit show in a lot of ways and of course there's it's that's for minority. At the end of the day, it's for minority, not the majority. Fortunately, um, and there's people who were returning for a fourth time who completely understood what they were supposed to be looking, keeping an eye out for. But of course, there's a bunch of first timers who have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, and then, of course, day of, just get everyone piled into a Discord, explain the rules one more time, explain our mission statement one more time, go over all that fun stuff, and then at the end of the day, just. When the whole thing's said and done, go over winners and future plans. Reach out to the winners, give them their prizes. It's it's, it's there's a lot to it, and the fact that we're myself and Pumpkin are doing all the overhead is it is a lot. It's absolutely a lot. Which and we're trying to, uh, and we're trying to get some more people involved that kind of help reduce the amount that's on our plates. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, I have a guy completely redoing our Google Doc. And who's also a person who's a like professional data analyst who completely went through all the data on the last tournament and is making us question every single point element that's involved in our tournament. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on and um it it's always gonna be a massive undertaking, but I feel like we're still managing to accomplish our goal, which is you know, get as much people involved as we can and be able to highlight as much if not everyone that we can possibly highlight and this is a question for the rules for the next tournament if one of my teammates leaves i can queue up and do duos right fuck yourself <laughs> i don't even know what that means <laughs> yeah, no, it's an inside joke so he was talking about how people will ask him the same questions over and over again so in hunt showdown the you play with a team of three you go into the map with a team of three but there's also an option for you to go into the map with a team of two the rules are for this tournament that you play in the maps that have teams of three so even if one of your teammates leaves you can't not queue up into the teams of three maps so i like i like i said there's a lot of good feedback and there's a lot of bad feedback half the time the bad feedback is Someone just wasn't listening to me when I was going over the rules. And I, I always try to add a little bit of humor when I do like my, my pre-tournament spiel in the Discord. I'm, I'm just dressing it up like a big show. And I'm just saying, I'm like, okay, guys, you know, based on some feedback, please listen to what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you might miss something that you need. And it, it's, you can, like I said, you can, you can put out as much information in as many places as you want, because even a few the week of a tournament, I put my, the rule section from my script into the Discord and just, just said, "Read it, just read it." I still was still getting DMs going like, "Hey, can you tell me what the rules are?" I'm like, "I'm right there. I added everybody. <laughs> I didn't add everybody. You sh- you should know. It's right there." So yeah, I don't know if I'd have the patience. Some... Yeah, I don't know if it's... I'd have the patience to do it. It'd be tough. Well, I I worked customer support in a call center. So um, my my patience is higher than it should be, but it's still the blood pressure is very. <laughs> oh yeah, 
that's why he gets so salty in gaming because his his he had to hold back his anger answering all these questions over and over again so he takes it out on people in the bayou <laughs> pretty much all right do you have anything else you wanted to ask about this um no no i was just thinking about we should have a a gamecube tournament with nba live <laughs> <laughs> so he's not really a gamer his his, his I mean, he has a switch but Dude, i got i got a nintendo 64 what are you talking about nintendo 64 switch and a wii just right over here he's a big mario guy that's that's about his gaming expertise that's about it <laughs> um well it's time for the world-renowned game called movie critics must go uh as a reminder for those of you who i mean we know all of you that listen to the show know the rules to movie critics must go because it's again world renowned uh philippines it's a huge hit uh but as a reminder the rules uh we're gonna read synopsis of a couple different movies and based off the synopsis alone we have to take a guess at the rotten tomatoes critics score uh and then whoever is the closest to that score wins the round so we have uh, best of three, but if we all if it's a three way tie, we have a tiebreaker, and whoever wins doesn't win anything except for good old fashioned bragging rights. So, which is worth something for sure on this show. It it's definitely not worth no, nothing. What? There's some currency for that. That's a double negative. All right, are you ready for this, Rob? Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. The first one. Now, this one is actually kind of a more well-known movie. So I, this is the one that I was worried that you might have seen. The Fountain. Okay. I have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> All right, here's the synopsis. A man, played by Hugh Jackman, travels through time on a quest for immortality uh, to save the woman he loves. As a 16th century conquistador, Thomas searches for the legendary Fountain of Youth. As a present-day scientist, he desperately struggles to cure the cancer that is killing his wife. Finally, as a 26th-century astronaut in deep space, Tom begins to grasp the mysteries of life, love, and death. Wow. This is one of the few times I've actually heard a synopsis of a movie I'd actually want to see. Yeah, this one... I remember seeing the trailer for this one like a while back, and uh, I was interested in watching it, but I never did. Uh, since you're the guest, Cervantes, uh, what what is your guess at the Rotten Tomatoes critic score? What year did this come out? Um, give me a second. Fountain, two thousand six. Oh Jesus, that was when movies were back when movies were good. Um, I'm gonna say let's go with a solid because Hugh Jackman's in it. People like Hugh Jackman. But that was also around the X-Men time, wasn't it? Shit. Um, hmm. let's, go, let's go with a strong 72. 72%. So you're thinking Hugh Jackman kind of carried this to a, a positive score? Or what's your logic? Probably. Hugh Jack. People like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah. All right. Steven, what do you think? So as I said, I really, I, I'm interested in this movie based off the synopsis. However, I've never really heard much about this movie, and I didn't realize that Hugh Jackman was in this movie. I feel like this is the kind of movie that could just go completely awry. Like the script needs to be good in this movie and the special effects. There's just, there's too much that could potentially go wrong. And if I've never heard before, I think it mostly went wrong. So I think it's a 28%. 28%. That's a really wrong. Holy crap. Um, I'm going to say, I, I, I agree a little more with, uh, Cervantes's logic where 
Hugh Jackman's just a star. I feel like he puts out banger after banger. And uh, even if it's not a banger, it's Hugh Jackman. So it's going to it's gonna get some people's attention. I also think that the synopsis does sound uh, pretty interesting. So even if like the casual audience goer uh, wasn't a fan of the uh, convoluted story, maybe the critic is like, oh yeah, this is a movie that has depth to it. So I'm going to give it an 80%. Wow, you think it's really good, dude? Too much stress. Oh my gosh! I wait a second. What did you say? Seventy-two. Yeah, I said seventy-two. And you said twenty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> Do a math quick. Wait, is that? It's a fifty-two percent. So. So you know you're th- you're twenty away and you're. Yeah, he he's close. You got actually. it. You he's won this. No way. Wow, Cervantes takes the first one, 52%. They got a 74% audience score. You honestly were the closest to both. Dude, I think my logic was sound. I think I just went a little You went too way harsh. too low. I, I went too low. I went too low. Yours would have been right if it didn't have Hugh Jackman. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's true. That's probably true. Damn. All right, right, well, Cervantes starts off hot. We've had, How many guests have won now? Just one, Just right? One. I think one has won. Yeah. So only one guest has won this so far. So you're starting off hot, but it's not been a, a good road for the guests on this game show. So you just okay. don't get too cocky. <laughs> okay. All right. This next one is called The Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, the synopsis reads as follows. A dark tale of infidelity and murder, crime and punishment. Set in a small northern California town of the late 40s, the film portrays Ed Crane, played by Billy Bob Thornton, and a barber dissatisfied with his life. Oh, it is a Billy Bob Thornton is a barber dissatisfied with his life. His wife, Doris, played by Frances McDermott, uh, his wife, Doris, infidelity presents Ed with an important shoot. I cannot read for some. <laughs> I was like, you're all over the place with this enough. His wife's his wife Doris's infidelity presents Ed with an opportunity for blackmail that he thinks will help him to change it. However, Ed's scheme unravels and lays bare even darker secrets. What was the name of this again? This is called The Man Who Wasn't There. What's what are your thoughts? You can go first. Is, is there a year presented on this one? I'll look it up. It's gotta be somewhat new ish, right? Maybe. Um, the man. I don't know. Th- this one, this one does not like doesn't stand out to me. It sounds kind of cliche. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. No, there was nine eleven happening that year. I don't know. I don't know if this is before or after. That would probably be pretty important <laughs> towards giving an assessment. But I don't think the world was ready for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this movie. Uh, I just feel like. Well, it could have been before 9/11. Yeah, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna be very bold and assume that it came right around the time as 9/11, and was, <laughs> the world had other things going on. They didn't see this movie, and uh, it got forgotten, and it wasn't good enough to stand out. Not an awful movie, but negative three percent, sixty percent even, sixty percent even. All right, I'm gonna go second on this one since uh, Cervantes is uh, took the first. Step. I'm going to say that this one, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, there was a time when this guy was just critically acclaimed. People were loving him. He does a great job in Monsters Ball with Halle Berry. There's a couple scenes in particular that I'm a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> some people will know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm going to say, you know what? I 
I was optimistic about the last one. I'm going to be optimistic about this one. I think that this one got an 80%. I think, uh, you know, that, that whole like infidelity there was unfaithful with, uh, Diane Lane, uh, that came out. That was, that was a, a big hit. This one, I think, uh, might've, I don't know if this came out before or after that, but I think, uh, those types of plots have a lot of drama involved and critics love the drama. So 80%. You know, 2001. Wasn't the same movie, like the same year Phone Booth came out. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Billy, Billy Bob Thornton's also in a lot of garbage. Uh, <laughs> when I think exciting movie, I don't think Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I'm going to say a strong 45. You know, the man who wasn't there, I'm going to assume it was the movie that critics didn't care about. Okay. Damn. Okay. All right. So you said 45. You said 60. 60. Even. I said 80. 81%, baby. I take this one away. Wow. I'm just tapped into the Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> fandom. All right. That is. I'm, I'm tapped right. into the fandom. Highly suspect. 1% <laughs> off. Yeah, the, every time I get one right, this guy's like, it's yeah. highly <laughs> suspect. There's no way you would have gotten that I, one. He's looking at his phone. I mean, that's, that's pretty <laughs> suspicious if you ask me. Even though I get others like completely wrong. You think I'm just like you're trying to just make it look like yeah, maybe like, oh, yeah, oh maybe yeah, way not off on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you and I are tied one to one. Either one of us could take this away, or Stephen can make it a three way tie. They always call me the comeback kid. Yeah, you do come on a lot of ba- what? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that out in post. Um, oh, okay, this God. one's called Open Range. Uh, Boss Spearman, played by Robert Duvall, and his uh, Cohan's Charlie, played by Kevin Costner, and Mose, played by Abraham Benruby, are driving cattle across a large expanse of country. When Mose ventures into a sparse village to buy a few necessities, he is met with violent hostility from Denton Baxter, played by Michael Gambon, an affluent lo- landowner, and his right hand man, Poole, played by James Russo. When Mose doesn't come back, Boss and Charlie realize he's in trouble. So they plot to get him back and get revenge on those who capture him. So with this one, Mose didn't come back. And Mose is like, uh, it's kind of like a Chipotle. And there used to be one near my parents, but they, they went under. So it's not there anymore. So it also didn't come back. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's... <laughs> It could be connected. Maybe it's I'm a not sure that's going to that. help me a lot, but that's the first place my mind goes with this. Um, I think that because Moe's didn't come back and I wanted it to come back, I don't think that this movie is very good. So I'm going to give it not a 28% because we found out that's I was a little too negative. I'm feeling a little extra cheery. So 41.5%. The half, the half might give you the uh, the advantage here. What about uh, what about you, Rob? What do you think with this one? Let's go with straight fifty. Straight fifty. All right. What what's your logic behind that? This movie sounds like garbage, but I'm sure some critic probably loved it. All right. Well, I'm going to do something I've never done. I I think I've given an eighty percent to the first of my two movies, and you know what? I think that we find a lot of times with critics. The more boring the movie sound, the better they do. And uh, I, yeah, that's actually kind of true. <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to use my experience to my advantage here, and I'm going to give this one a solid 80%. So let's take a look at open range on Rotten Tomatoes. This could be for all the marbles, folks. And open range. Uh, 
79 percent brandon wins baby wow <laughs> so if one he goes one percent above and then one percent below <laughs> Hey. Highly, highly suspect. Consistency yeah, wins, rules, baby. I would have had that. <laughs> highly, highly suspect. Hey, I listen. I just want to thank all the fans. Everyone who's been pulling for me. I haven't had a W on on uh, movie critics must go in a couple weeks. And I know you guys at home have been like, "Come on, Brandon, please pull it through." We're your biggest fan, and I just want to say this was for you. All right, this one was for you. And to be fair, I'm realizing that 80 percent, just in my experience, is like that's the percent to guess. Yeah, because a lot of them are 80 percent with it, give or take a few percentage points. So it's not highly suspect. It's just. Good, good game sense. Yeah, you're just... You're good just, game you're, sense. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, Cervantes, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people find you? What are your socials? Uh, where, where can oh, people God. look you up? Um, streaming Monday through Saturday on Twitch over twitch.tv slash Cervantes. I'm over on Twitter at twitter.com slash King Cervantes. I'm... Yeah, it's pretty much the best places to find me. Hover.com slash Cervantes. YouTube.com slash Reventes underscore. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. We'll put all your links in the uh, description of the show, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, for anybody else that might want to get in touch with us, you can find us on social media at EMGpod, or you can email us EMGpod at gmail.com. If you want to look me up, uh, Twitch, uh, Twitter, uh, Flipping Gaming, you can search YouTube as well. Um, Steven, you want to give your... I'm at Steven Russell B. That's Steven with the V, not a PH. Hell yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. <laughs>